back. It's a stop at the depot. Oh, it's been so long since we've been to the depot. It's all so, haunted. So There's a faint noise of chains rattling. <laughs> Some cobwebs are here. The the kids have fucking graffitied all over it. The only <laughs> thing in the vending machine is a pack of like winter green gum. Winter green gum. What kind of flavor is that? You know what it is, but like, do you really? Are you? Sure? Have you ever been concerned about the fact that you don't know what a winter green is? Um, <laughs> well, I kind of just assumed it was a green that kind of had a you know cool. No, we're not doing no, this. No, we're, not we're not doing, doing this. this. I'm Greg. This. I'm your conductor. I'm here to guide you through the haunted <laughs> depot that we haven't visited in months. <laughs> cough, cough. I'm coughing from the dust. <laughs> I'm Hannah. I play Angel Anderson usually, uh, but. Not today. Today I'm here to talk. I'm Guy. I normally play Pip. Uh, today I am probably not going to be talking a whole lot because I destroyed my voice yesterday. Whoops. Uh, I'm Stefan. I normally play Drix, and I don't know. I, I'm still pondering on wintergreens, but okay. No. Oh, I'd love to talk about wintergreens, but watch out, Stefan. There's some bats coming out of the, the haunted train. Oh, oh no. they're flying right by your hair. Oh, oh no, the bats get Morbius powers. Jesus <laughs> Christ. The bats say, the bats say, <laughs> it's the 50th episode <laughs> just came out recently. <laughs> well, that's crazy that, that they let us know. The 50th episode just came out recently, and the last time we did one of these talkbacks was up until episode 44 uh, with Kai. Uh, so, it's been a minute. So, got the second layover in Thorn where uh, Crowl showed the fuck up and iced that judge, uh, and did a yep. whole like, "Ooh, I'm I'm allowed to I'm allowed to kill Pippin McKeel now." We had the the flight from Thorn that was uh, that was uh, interrupted by Coleman Knatcher showing up and revealing that he's a crazy Severosi magician whisperer type. Uh, and also the trains, the trains, uh, a ghost, the train trains, a man. Train is trains, just a, guy. a dude, trains, a dude, trains, a dude. The ghost was on in the train. Um, Greg planned this from the very beginning. Drix made a deal with Coleman Knatcher. I need to address this now or else it is going to kill me. So we, obviously like there's a delay between like what you guys hear and what we have experienced and everything that has happened here has come back in a big way and it's so it's it's gonna be extra fun to talk about this because we're we're talking from a place with like extra context Oh yeah, yes. There's certain stuff that they got to hold back on. Got to hold back yeah, on. We, oh, we definitely can't talk about the last thing we recorded. <laughs> oh, no, God. we cannot. But it sure did happen, huh? Oh my uh, God! And then <laughs> you'll know when oh, it gosh. happens. You'll, and then you'll, and then you'll there was the then there was the sexy layover. Ah, oh, the <laughs> sexy that? layover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the layover after our, our big hiatus, uh, where. Uh, <laughs> Where we had some some sweaty sweaty tricks, sweaty other topless people. Andrew saw some tits. Um, <laughs> let's see, the king of rats was like, "Pip and McKeel, give me a slaughterhouse worth of rats." <laughs> and Pip was like, "I've got shit to do." <laughs> um, I mean, that's basically like, asking. like honestly, that is the answer. Like. <laughs> They were, they were like, watch out, Crawl's coming to kill you. And you're like, there's a bunch of other things that want to kill me first. Yes. 
priorities. I can't just like go and break into the Petco and like free all the animals. That's Although, just some, that that sounds like the ramblings of someone's not who's not trying hard enough to break into the Petco. I mean, also that, but also like in context of the world, it's kind of just like, hey, could you? Uh, I need you to go into Stop and Shop, just like take their entire beef section and just like throw it into the river. (laughs) That is explicitly not what they want. They want a live rat. Yes. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. They do. They don't want, they don't want the beef thrown through the river. They want you to steal the cows. (laughs) They want us, they want me to steal the cows. (laughs) Which seems easier, frankly, at least the cows can like move under their own power. It'll it'll be a whole thing when we get to it. I'm sure it will. It'll be it'll be a whole line. Um, <laughs> uh, oh gosh! And then after that, Drix took us to Belial, and I named the episode "The Magic of Belial," uh, <laughs> making good on the pun that Stefan set up <laughs> the second he he called it Belle Isle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but the cover is kind of amazing. It's a very <laughs> It looks like it, it, Morgan Freeman's in it, but it looks like something that should belong only in like, um, like a bargain bin. And I didn't know that like he could be in bargain bin movies, but they're there. Hey gang, we've been at this for a while. Oh gosh. No, oh, we're not, we're not even done. We're not even done doing the general. Oh God. Since last we spoke to you, then we did a live show. We did the live show after we recorded, uh, the Belial stuff. Guy couldn't make it, but it was real and it happened. I was getting my brain scans. Mm-hmm. Really care about your butt. <laughs> it's normal for the right. record. <laughs> Glad to know that. <laughs> brain scan results retrieved. Uh, everything's normal. Little little out of continuity thing that uh hopefully was approachable. Um and also enjoyable for people that do know what's happening. Uh I got to bring uh Wonk uh and his unicycle back. So that was great. Uh, it was see. not great. It was great for me. <laughs> I didn't like it. It was an assault, and I will be. You will be hearing from my lawyer. I didn't like it. I think if we did the talk back for the the one within many. Hannah had the same exact reaction we, of just like we weren't if we, doing talkbacks back then. I know we did something when we were I discussing feel like, it. I, I feel like I remember, I don't know if we like did a talk back, but I do remember specifically. I mean, I'm sure it's come up. Yeah, I do remember specifically Hannah being like, hey, um, we did look up the name of the person who sent in uh, the unicycle suggestion and you were like, we are not friends. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, that's, that's true. That's, that's what I was. <laughs> you were like, this is a threat. This is an offense against me personally. And if it I is. hear from you again. So at time of recording, it's not released. Uh, rec- recording this, it's not released, but it will be released before this thing. The two uh, episode Belial thing, where um, uh, there was a lot of talking in one episode as uh, several dots were connected about how you could finally take down the Immortal Emperor. Yeah, you talk about the the varial possibility of dealing with the Immortal Emperor. Uh, and then in the, the next bit of Belial episode, uh, Drix plays uh, a sport uh, against his rival. Sports were had. Who is one of uh, one of several characters that Stefan stealthily named after classic Doctor Who companions, <laughs> specifically for y- former guest Yoshiko to go crazy over. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh gosh. And then you guys fought Vulgerdai again. Oh, you guys, you you guys fought him. You fought him on, on the earth. Uh, ostensibly, uh, if not full power, uh, not nerfed by being surrounded by metal. Um, <laughs> and you defeated him for real with magic. Yeah. That was great. It was fun. We got to, we got to use some cool shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We weren't treating the 50th episode with it, maybe any sort of gravitas that it should have had, but kind of a dope uh, 50th episode. It did just kind of work out that way. Huh? Yeah. It was, it was cool anyway. It's fine. Vulture and I was like the the big. It was a big demon. It was the first like that's kind of the first fucked up line, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. So you know, uh, we we called back to you know our early days with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally intentional. We planned it all along. I mean, Greg is a master of setup and payoff. <laughs> Interestingly, episode forty-nine is the one with a shit ton of callbacks to earlier. Earlier, yeah, arcs. episode forty-nine. That's the one where it's like time to put it all together, and it's like, oh, if I had only, oh, we'd only had the patience. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Close oh. enough. Exactly. Oh, we, we got there. Figured it out. Listener, uh, I will promise you what I promised the players uh, and delivered on in episode fifty-one. Uh, it's about to it's about to pop off. <laughs> sure it is. Never it mind should. that you've been saying that since like episode thirty five. <laughs> but yes, Damn. they're telling the truth this time. It is about to pop off. It is genuinely yep. about to pop off, and for us, it has. <laughs> well, mostly, it's it's ongoing. It, it's in the process of popping. Yeah. To it's be like fair, popping, if you will. To be fair, thirty-five was like the middle of like uh, Hecla. Oh I, I think stuff did pop off. I just picked a number. You know, I just picked a number to get a point across. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I think uh, a thing that uh, comes up with recording these talkbacks and recording episodes in general, and related to me being a broken record for certain things is because uh, our recording is uh, very spaced out. And then when it's spaced out, it's like concentrated. So while like episodes are going off, I'm like editing and I'm like, oh, here we are. We're marching forward towards things. Uh, but for the players, they're like, well, I don't know. It's been like a month since we played. So <laughs> it feels like it feels like nothing's changed. And you're just nonstop like, come on, it's it's gonna it's gonna happen. It also doesn't help that you also have a kind of better oversight of the progress that we're making. Like, you've got plans. We can't see them. So what's interesting, though, now is we do kind of have a tracker, if you will, for, like, what we have to do. Yeah, we have, like, concrete overarching goals other yep. than be on train, do things on train, don't die. Yeah. We've got our talisman hunt down, so now we just gotta go and get the talismans. Exactly. Gotta gotta do a Jackie Chan Adventures. Exactly. Jackie Chan Adventures. Oh my god, Andrew is Jade Chan. I've never seen Jackie Chan Adventure. It's better than it probably has any right to be. (laughs) It is significantly better than it should be. We're getting off topic. This all feels very off topic, yeah. I do have one thing written out about, like, what I wanted to get to, for some reason, after the Coleman line. 
Uh, that's like that's what I wrote after Coleman line talking about human magic and whispering, baby. <laughs> hey. Rad as shit. Uh, I love the combo. I don't know. Maybe maybe now it's like gotten to the point where it doesn't matter. But I guess at this point, I was like, I feel like I'm gonna need to, <laughs> I'm gonna need to reiterate the way magic works every time because I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll what if there was a way to get the the magic back? What if what if what if some people didn't like lose it or like there's some arcane stuff? And then I had to come up with like off the cuff descriptions of it. I think I've talked about it in other um other talkbacks. But I wrote out a thing that I like talked to Hannah about in the car forever ago. <laughs> Hannah's got the pinky face on. So when I consume media, uh in general uh and you know playing games is also kind of a form of consuming other people's media in my mind because you're sort of taking in someone else's story i playing games is an interesting gray area because it's also creating media i don't know that's that's off topic i am not the kind of person who will try and take in all the details of world building world building is usually not what i am most interested in uh, I gravitate more towards like characters, the vibes of the world building, things like that. Uh, and so I, I simply am never going to hold in my head how everything works. Uh, which means that like we've had many conversations in the Levin Karobas household where I will say something about magic. Uh, attempting to like skate over it entirely because I want to talk about something else. And Greg will be like, that's actually not exactly how it works. And I'll be like, okay. And then Greg will talk for, then Greg will talk for 10 minutes, uh, about how magic works. And it's, I do think those conversations are productive because it does seem like you get something out of them. You like talking about how the magic works and it feels like you're able to like work things out that way about it. And you're able to see, uh, you know, where, where misconceptions come from, because I have many misconceptions, but it's also like, I'm simply never going to remember it. It doesn't matter how many times and how many different ways that he explains it to me. I'm not going to remember it. I'm, it's not, I just, it's, it's, I could, I could try. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Um, so I don't even know what conversation you're referring to. I just know the genre of the conversation. (laughs) I just know the genre. Fucking damning. I love it. (laughs) The, the point that I found, my final point where I was like, here's the perfect way, the perfect way to explain the difference between the two things that actually exist and the thing that I made up for this game is that ritual sorcery is like baking where if you just follow a recipe, you're probably going to get what you were expecting based on like how you like handled the ingredients. Whispering is like filling out a crossword. Like first you got to learn the rules, but then after you learn the rules, like anybody can do it and you're just going to, you just get better, you know, the more you practice and it's like a, a mental thing. Uh, and then I was like, human magic is like gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my, 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 my quote I wrote down. Most able-bodied people could probably be capable of some things, but you're going to need training to mentally understand how to safely do it and to physically practice it so it sticks. Uh, and then I gave like a weird little power level where I was like, Coleman Knatcher is an Olympic gymnast. 
And Drix is like one of those kids who was raised to be an Olympic gymnast, but then he stopped. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do remember this conversation now because I remember arguing with you about how young you need to start gymnastics to be a good gymnast, which was not the point at all. Far too young <laughs> is the answer. Well, because you were like, you were like, not everybody could do gymnastics. And I was like, well. Oh, yes, that's what I was saying. You were like, not everybody could do gymnastics. And I was like, well, yeah, but like. Most able-bodied people have the potential, but they just need to be like raised in it. Because it was like really important to me that it wasn't like a hereditary thing. Uh, but then Hannah was like, "Oh, it's gymnastics are sort of a hereditary thing because flexibility of muscles and like stuff about your body." I yeah, it's no metaphor is perfect, and I'm a, a pendant. That's is that the word? I'm, Pedant. I'm pedantic. Yeah, gets the point across. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also wrote down Pip and Angel could also technically do it, but Pip's older and probably won't take to it as easily. Uh, and Angel's like 14, which means she would probably never get to an Olympic level, even if she started now. Which is kind of depressing. I yeah. mean, it's not cool. so much about magic, yeah, yeah, it's about, just like, about like the like Olympics. Gymnastics. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, well, also because, like, <laughs> hey there. The modern, like, my understanding is that, like, Gymnasts have gotten younger and younger because yeah. the modern demands of it have gotten like required these like more young, like younger pliable bodies. Like if you see, like on the one hand, it's cool because it's like, look at how far we've come. But if you look at like old Olympic footage of like gold medal winning gymnastics, it looks like really basic compared to this, but it's like basic, but solid and safely done by somebody who's like 24. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like eight flips being done by 17 year old kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you gotta break them young. Then you can mold them into any shape. That's what gymnastics is all about, baby. All right. We're gonna piss off our gymnast audience. <laughs> I guess. I'm just curious why you went for gymnastics rather than, like, language. Just because it is so difficult to learn phonemes as an adult versus as a child. I guess that's, like, less hereditary. Because <sighs> I feel like that falls into the same thing as, like, whispering. I don't know. It's like Maybe. weird because I I, I kind of wanted it to be like you, you wanted it to feel like more hyperbolic as a metaphor. Yeah, y y putting them in separate like forms of how you would use like whispering is a thing you train your mind for, whereas uh, magic or human magic is a thing you train your body for. I eh, I, I, I see where he's going yeah, with like keeping yeah. them separate that way. That makes sense. Not every metaphor is perfect, as Hannah said. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to remember that. And uh, in three weeks, I'm going to uh, have some other misconception about how magic works. And Greg's going to think of another metaphor for it. I think, I think as long as we're not, not Ruby, that one Greg either. will be okay. Maybe. It's good. It's important. It's important. If the players are picking up on something, then the, the audience is too. So it's good. It is good. We do like those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In addition to this being the way I play, this is also the way I read and the way I watch TV. And I'm sure some of our listeners are in my genre of like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I think probably a lot of people uh, are skating over the details of human magic as well, because that's not what they're interested in as much as what else is going on. 
And some people are probably like, I love human magic. I have a fucking bulletin board in my basement. And I, okay, we're probably not at that level of obsession for anyone. One yet, day, one yeah. day. We did, one- there are probably those type of people listening who are like, I'm going to go so deep in the world building here. When GOAT finishes and uh, we get a we get a somehow boom after that, like 20 years from now, we're all extremely embarrassed of it. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get like whatever the old school Renaissance equivalent is for like forged in the dark or powered by powered by the apocalypse. One of those will get picked up by people are gonna be so mad about how freaking stupid I am. They'll oh, be like God. Wow, wow, human magic. Stop being self-deprecating. <laughs> Whispering and ritual sorcery already exists. Why do you think John Harper removed the magic? <laughs> he didn't want that wizard stuff. Yes, and we did want that wizard stuff. Stop being self-deprecating. <laughs> yep. Fuck it. We like the wizard stuff. Yeah. Arcade fortresses are fucking cool. I do have questions. Sure. It's um, the 50th episode. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we all made a big decision uh, in this episode, which was we were, we were going to do treason. I know I had been thinking a lot about uh, that decision for Andrew, we'd have, we'd all talk to Greg, and we all sort of we all we all sort of knew the direction that the campaign was moving. This in. is what we're um, aiming for since episode like fucking twelve. Yes, but we didn't know how we were going to get there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Greg did, but <laughs> we the players didn't. This talisman hunt has been. Uh, existing in my notepad. Probably since around the Act 1 break, that's when I really was like, okay, this is it, final. These are the things that you need to defeat the Emperor. Yeah. I remember you saying you had mapped it out around that time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd also said, um, you started talking at some point, I don't know if you talked to Guy and Stefan about this or if it was just, like, kitchen conversation that we had, um, but you started talking about, like, yeah, I have this, I'm gonna you know, present you with an opportunity to start moving towards this emperor defeating thing uh soon you guys are gonna take it or not take it uh and i have like something stuff worked out for the plot to push you in directions if you don't take it and i have stuff worked out for if you do take it and we all pretty pretty uh quickly decided to take it and i was curious if either of you had like given thought to getting your character to that point, particularly Guy, because Pip is so, like... Pip is very wishy-washy. Pip is very wishy-washy. He's uh, from Akaros and has ties to nobility. He's uh, a little more on the self-serving side. Uh, He, you know, doesn't like putting himself in danger. And you yourself have said in, like, previous talkbacks that you don't consider Pip a good person. (laughs) Drix, I think it's a little more of a no-brainer to be like, well, my family's going to do a treason. I'm also going to do a treason. <laughs> but I am curious what your considerations were uh, for Pip when we were in that moment. Pip is not a good person. I, I've said this many times before. I like I consider him like technically on on the D&D kind of alignment scale, technically falling under evil, either like neutral evil or just like chaotic neutral very selfish like not not a good dude but i also think that 
those kind of alignments and those kind of like ethics while like self-serving is very correct i don't think anyone ever like sees themselves as a bad person and this is kind of an opportunity of like there's only one wrong choice and it's pretty obvious like which one is which especially after like the experiences that we've had over the course of the game yeah i don't think pip had any sort of issues making that decision uh the other part and this is like maybe a little bit metagame e but oh no metagaming metagaming actual oh no play podcast actual play but what and this is something that i will do in my other games where like it doesn't necessarily make sense for my character to make this decision or at least it doesn't make 100 percent sense but like the game's not going to continue unless they do so i will come up with like a reason for them to do it no that's fair i've definitely done that before understandable if pip had said no like what was i gonna do just like all right here's my new character <laughs> all right uh you leave the <laughs> yeah, i leave the podcast. leave the room i guess <laughs> i mean i think that, i think there are things you can do because you're you know, if Drix and Andril are doing it and Pip is not, then we're all still on a train together. Yeah. Um, and I imagine Pip would have ended up doing it somehow just with, you know, perhaps a little more troubles. And Greg, I know, did have plans, even if we were like, no, goodbye. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, in that case, the plan is always just like, Okay, things will continue. Yeah. <laughs> things will continue as they were. We'll Ooh. see we'll see what stirs you to act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not in like a passive way. Not in like a passive way, uh listeners slash potential uh conductors. A, a fun thing uh with ghost lines. I, I don't know if ghost lines always needs to end with any sort of uh revolution, but um John Harper's the, the, the Imperium that John Harper created is, like, pretty much explicitly designed to be rebelled against. But unlike Blades in the Dark, where you're like, we're criminals that, like, maybe have been wronged by it, but we're living outside of it, is that um, line bulls and ghost lines are, like, Imperial employees. And not only that, but, like, you are doing one of, if not the most dangerous job in the Imperium for uh, comparatively the least amount of glory and station uh, a lot of money though and so if you decided to step away i probably either would have just kept having the imperium bully you or just fully had the imperium like turn you more into uh tools of fucking evil yeah uh until eventually you did have a decision to be like, hmm, <laughs> we're the bad guys. <laughs> we should stop. Oh, was the Imperium going to make us do a genocide? I mean, I don't know. I That's don't know a about, big leap. I don't know about you three. <laughs> Listen, you three with your stupid lightning guns. We have an Imperial military, but I'd much prefer it. I want you three to personally. <laughs> I need you guys to start zapping all those people. <laughs> Just but, but, you know, it's like how much fucked up stuff can you transfer how much stuff can you be asked to turn a blind eye to and, and so like it could have been a, a slower thing so it's like i wasn't super worried i don't know much like the hecla thing when i originally did hecla i had contingency plans for if you immediately were like hell yeah we'll join you in assassinating the emperor and walker <laughs> you okay. always have a choice you can say no so so like when you didn't pick it up it was like well 
they've seen that somebody else is going to try and what happens uh not like a, a bad way or like a good way but just in a factual way so if you had said no it'd be like well you know how the magicians of severo stands <laughs> and what they have going on let's see what the next thing does <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah um guy I'm wondering specifically, like, does Pip, how, how much does Pip's recent sobriety and, like, the, the reappearance of Kral, like, factor into that decision for you, too? Uh, I'd say a fair bit. I've discussed at length now many times how Pip as a character kind of worked, how we got to here. Yeah, yeah. So now that kind of, like, the puzzle is basically complete. And we can start, like, playing around with that backstory. This also does give me that opportunity to fight back. So I, I yeah. would be lying if I said that, like, that was not that was not a factor, especially like, you know, right here. A major part of Pip's self-interest is, you know, not getting killed. And as we brought up, like, Crowell has been given explicit permission. I'm just like, yeah, you can kill him now. It's fine. I feel like it could be like a no-brainer of like, oh, obviously he's been trying to kill Pip this whole time. And then it's like, uh, I feel like I feel like there's no reasonable way that Pip and McKeel could have out like up until this point could have like somehow avoided for 10 years this like very determined, very efficient coast assassin. Yeah. <laughs> At least not especially not during like the drunk years. <laughs> like the Oh god no. So yeah, like no. So <laughs> So it's like, yes, he's always after him. He's always bad. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that this has like effectively registered because it, it felt a little silly to me at first because I was like, what if what if this just if this comes across as like a no duh. But like, I'm glad that knowledge has has factored into some decision making. Well, I had, I had a question for Hannah. Oh, sure. Obviously, like Andrel is very young and this is kind of a big decision and a big part of, you know, hey, we're going to do a treason is also, like, trusting a lot of these adults, like, at their word. Taking that, was there ever a point at which, like, Andrew was just like, no, I refuse. I don't believe what it is that you're saying, and I don't trust you for, like, I don't trust the plans that you're coming up with. I don't trust you with my life. <sighs> there was never a point where she was, like, flatly no. I think that is largely because these were Drix's trusted people, and she by this point trusts Drix with her life, and she trusts a sober Pip with her life. Surprising. Andrew's trust in Pip is an interesting thing, because I think she believes that he does care about her and does have her best interest at heart. Uh, I, I think she just also like she she does not quite have faith in his morals and she also does not quite have faith in his good sense all the time that's beside the point i ask because like the last time basically you were offered like hey do a treason you just flatly refused yes which was very fun and took greg by surprise did it really i'm trying to remember which one was it i assume it's lady onkaset i was talking about lady annie katompkins that one didn't take me by surprise but i was that was another one where I was like, ah, ah. I guess, like, what took me by surprise was that Andrew kept it to herself. Yeah. Because I, I was like, ah, yes, and then the demon princes can be uh, in charge. Uh, and I think at that point I was like, 
clearly that Stephen Prince is being in charge is a bad is a bad thing. But I I will say yeah I will say what what, what did what did surprise me a little bit was that Andrew wasn't immediately like guys holy fuck. <laughs> I think Lady Arquisa threatened Andrew, yeah. uh, but that didn't help. <laughs> Since that happened and to this point, because the the like real big decision that I think Andrew made in this set of episodes was in fact telling mm-hmm. telling everyone about uh about that piece of knowledge about the weapon. I've been trying really hard to balance Andrew's sort of natural pluckiness and disrespect for authority with the fact that she is a little girl and has been raised in authority her whole life uh, and is death is scary when you're young death is scary at any age but I think it's especially scary when you're young she was raised in sort of a shitty world but not a world with so many existential questions in it I I think I've talked about before how one of my things with Andrew is I really want her to be a fairly normal person. Like both of uh, both of you kind of have written your backstories, and this is not a criticism. I think your backstories are co- are cool as hell. I don't I don't want it to be misconstrued at all. I think both of your characters are very very cool. Both of you both of you have like written your backstories to be sort of steeped in magic and in very dramatic stuff you know uh drix is a secret secret magician uh and part of this like ancient order that has been keeping human magic alive pip uh pip has been uh both exposed to like the nobility uh and all of the shitty things that they do and he has also had this like fall from grace you know done by the king he's like thought about death and he's thought about uh the morals of the even if they're not super important to him he's thought about the morals of the empire and all that as his tricks you know being part of this like secret society and andrew is like andrew is a young woman who grew up in an orphanage and that's kind of it she didn't you know think of anything really beyond this little piece of the world that was hers um, and she is suddenly thrust into this world where she has to make these huge decisions for that have these impacts on hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, and if she makes the wrong one, she might die. Someone she cares about might die. Any number of people that she doesn't know might die. Um, you fool, you're a protagonist. Yeah, she's, you two, I think, were, Pip was definitely a protagonist even in his backstory. Drix, I think, maybe not the protagonist, but like, he hung out with the protagonist, you know? Stefan does have protagonist voice, as has been said before. Stefan does have protagonist voice, but yeah, he hung out with the protagonist. Angel was an extra in her backstory. Angel wasn't really anything at all. And so this whole, this whole thing is very new for her. And where she is in in this treason discussion, I think, is really trying to balance, trying to make the right decisions and trust the right people, while also being just completely overwhelmed by all of it and very scared. And yeah, so that that I think was what was 
going through my head uh, for most of uh, our, our treason discussion. I think she, she trusted all of the Severosi magicians on Drix's word, but it's still the fact that she trusted them as people doesn't necessarily mean that she didn't question what they were saying. And I think, you know, I, she said it in the episode, she's scared to die. Yeah. And she's, she's scared that they can't protect her because no adults have ever really been able to protect her. <laughs> and the decision that she sort of ended up coming to, we didn't focus in on it very much, but it's this sort of first tentative step of being like, okay, I might die. Maybe they can't protect me. I think I have to do this anyway, which is a terribly, terribly scary conclusion for a 14-year-old to come to. And I think, uh, especially knowing what we recorded recently, yeah. I think I will yes. be sort of focusing in on that in the future. <laughs> I think we're going to have some conversations about that kind of thing specifically. Yeah. Oh, boy. I had another question. Jix, we learned all of, I mean, we sort of knew Jix's backstory before, but we like got the real big, big view of it. And we met all of these people. And you mentioned earlier that uh, Stefan snuck, snuck a reference into some NPC <laughs> names. Um, and I had kind of assumed that you had made all the NPCs. So I'm super curious to know how much of the, uh, how many, how much of the people at Belial um, and the relationships that Drix had there came from Stefan and how much came from Greg and how you two worked on that together. Uh, we texted back and forth a bit talking mm -hmm. about like what would be cool for kind of archetypes. First and foremost, I was like, okay, Stefan, I need you to give me two, three, ideally, if you got, if you got them, like three significant ones. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then archetypes were the first thing. First came Tegan, who was naturally my first choice. So, all the way back when we started this game, uh, when we came to that first session, which I'm sure you can hear in uh, our character building episode, I didn't have a name, but I looked at this sheet and I was like, "Hmm, Adric, that's a that's a name that I'm familiar with, uh, a classic Doctor Who character." <laughs> One of my favorites. So I was like, "Well, I gotta name my boy Adric." I mean, <laughs> That's, I had no idea that was how this got there. <laughs> I'm partially because I've never watched Classic Who, but yeah, I did not mm -hmm. know that was the origin mm -hmm. of. Oh, Drix. he's great. Adric is great. He's the Doctor's shitty teenage son. I love oh, him. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I was like, well, I gotta name my boy after my boy, so I went with, uh, so I went with that, and then I was like, and colloquially, he'll be called Drix, so, you know, it's a little, it's a little more, it rolls, it rolls up the tongue easier, et cetera, et cetera, and then we, when we came to, when we came to Drix's home, Greg was like, well, have you got any names? And I'm like, well, 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 Gregory, <laughs> have I got a couple of names for you? Give me, we've, we got our archetypes, which were uh, somebody related uh, closely, like grew up, uh, mm -hmm. and then um, somebody from elsewhere that was a friend, and then a mentor figure. And I was like, give me like a name and like some like identifying thing about each of them. So Tegan, Nissa, and Orleans became like our trio of important Belial characters. Uh, Orleans is the only name not from Doctor Who. <laughs> Were you surprised and, and satisfied and everything with how they ended up turning out? 
Oh, absolutely. Like, Greg Greg is a fantastic performer, and we play off of each other. At this point, I think, you know, it's, it's fair to say that we play off of each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, good yeah. at vibing with what I'm putting down, and, like, uh, boy, it was super enjoyable to get to play with, like, Drix's relationships, like, Tegan as, like, this lovable, dorky, younger brother figure, uh, Nissa as... Oh, oh, sports, baby. Let's, sports! Let's, sports! We settle it in sports. Sports! Sports. Sports, mm. sports, sports. As is my way when coming up with Tumble Rumble, I, w- I did some research into, like, a real game, and then I was like, how can I sportify this real game? <laughs> and then I came up with overcomplicated mechanics to, like, deal with it, and then I was like, paired it back. And then I eventually found like a more elegant way, which is the way we did in the episode. And then I was like, okay, we need to record this episode now before I start overcomplicating things from here. (laughs) But also, also, I was like, hey, Stefan, all I need is a name. (laughs) All I need is a name. (laughs) And we, Tumble Rumble was like a a placeholder until we come up with something better. (laughs) And we never did. we and just got to. We just Unfortunately, did. it's hard to beat Tumble Rumble. <laughs> Tumble Rumble just ended up being good. What do you know? Yeah, you guys kind of <laughs> just peaked. Sorry. Oh well. Yeah. <sighs> I also do. I do want to make it clear that I don't play sports in real life. Every bit of enthusiasm. <laughs> I, oh, I was very no. enthusiastic about the sports, and it's because I've been watching a lot of sports anime. I say been. It's not a recent thing. I've watched a lot of sports anime since like high school. But I do not play sports. I am not enthusiastic about real life sports. I don't want anyone to have that misconception about Jock me. Hanna. It's Jock Hanna, everybody. It Hannah watches the Super Bowl and knows the teams. One time, Greg and I literally invited a friend over to watch the Super Bowl and then put on the football anime. It was a, it was a funny bit to talk about. Um. Our friend was not happy, and they don't even like the Super Bowl. They just didn't want to watch <laughs> oh god it's not the first time greg has trapped someone with eye shield eye shield's unfortunately really good <laughs> incredible oh. also i deeply love orleans and his old man his old man i will die someday orleans was so orleans fun. is great Orleans was so fun. I do have a fight or flight reaction to the voice Greg uses for Orleans because uh, in one one home game we did, he used it for like a, a Master Roshi like old pervert type. Oh no! Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, ven- so the venerable serpents. So it took me a while to get past that, but once I did, what a good what a good dude. Although in hindsight, I am like, oh gosh, you can tell we recorded uh, Belial in two separate chunks because uh, I did not, I was inconsistent with the old man voice. I drifted in and out. Um, it's fine. But it's, it's all fine. good. If it's old, it's Orleans. If it's, <laughs> if it's old, old, it's Orleans. <laughs> yeah, there's like, only one old person there. I think it's fine. Greg will show up, or Greg will show up like 10 episodes down the road doing an entire different old man voice and we'll just be like, hey, Orleans! <laughs> That would be better for hey. my emotional state. Hey, it's me, Orleans. <laughs> How you doing, boy? There's no way you could keep that up for more than like ten yeah, lines. I, I, I'd pay I him five dollars really to do if it, you though. Could, but <laughs> and it wouldn't it wouldn't make my hair stand on end. <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
man. Um, I played for my dad the the clip of when you got when when uh, your characters ate lunch with Orlance and I was like and Orlance is like my dad a psychopath where he wants the meat hot and the, <laughs> the bread cold and I, like, I called him like come on old man if you get this far old man <laughs> and, my, and then you sent him a clip of it I you sent ruined him a clip. the challenge no it's cool it was it was great I, I i knew he would never get there but i just wanted to hear his reaction and the response was uh and i i quote he's scrolling i'm scrolling sorry greg do be scrolling. i talked to my family yeah it's so nice that you talk to your family that much that you have to scroll. there it is there it is uh that's first, not a bit i first think he that's said, sweet capital old man dot dot then this capital old man, <laughs> return to normal, taught you how to eat, and now we'll make sure you eat through a straw. Your <laughs> <laughs> dad is wild. Oh, listen, listen it's, it's easy to be Orleans because half of it is my dad. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Perfect. That does oh. sound like an Orleans line, actually. I'll make you eat through a straw, boy. You criticize the way I have my meat sandwiches. God. It was really, it was really fun to visit Drix's home because like Greg and I have just kind of bumbled our way backwards into creating it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like do- just just kind of like spitballing dominoes that have like been typing over from the very moment I decided to give Drix a cowboy voice. <laughs> it's been uh, really fun. Just like kind of piecemeal creating a really a really strange but interesting like arcane fortress and I'm, I'm enjoying the culture i've been imagining for the last like five minutes straight just since the beginning of the orleans talk just a shirt with like just an old person with a walker and it says going into hermitage and i don't know why <laughs> it's just like it's, it's sticking in my brain i kind of want to get that. that made any day now I'd oh that. you know it's you oh, know it's a same. so so i do love i love talking about the things i make up um <laughs> and uh so today, as we're recording this, um, the Elf Quest audio movie uh, premiered its first episode, uh, and I realized that Hermitage can best be explained by these wild Elf Quest characters that I need the world to know exists. Or if you do know Elf Quest, to be like, "Hey, remember these characters exist." Gimmick with Elf Quest: Elves came from space a long time ago, uh, but cavemen were mean to them, uh, and so they all split and they all adapted to wherever they're from. Protagonists live in the woods and they're short and they're not immortal uh that's their gimmick and they meet these elves that like adapted wings and could fly uh and there were two members of their uh their little clan one of them was called door and another was called egg because their names were lost to time and egg sits in a big chamber with a big old mess of like metal or something and just shapes this egg into like with like Fabergé patterns and weird like fucking Tauruses and just shapes and all they do is they just vibe out and just shape this metal into shapes and they're blissed out the whole time nobody talks to egg egg is just experiencing creativity uh forever probably and I think that's what Hermitage is like only they will die <laughs> I think Hermitage is when a wizard will just like zonk out and just like stare off and just play with like the fabrics of reality and like understand every eternity as one does it's pretty bad that's why it's so bad that coleman wants to use his mom and kermitage 
You're not supposed to disturb Egg. That's a dick it, move. It's a little fucked up. Just like a little fucked up. Getting all of Coleman's uh, download was truly a fucking ride. <laughs> I didn't Coleman expect quite baby. a bit of it. Oh god! Put it on TV tropes. Uh, canon migrants, baby. Coleman Canatcher. Canon migrants originated from uh, Mavericks of the Magnificent West, which you might know from the New York State Games Competition oh, of 2017. <laughs> Greg made a video wow. game. Oh, <laughs> Stefan also made the video game. It's Stefan's video game. Oh, I just your video, video game. game. There was uh, I. I worked on it, but yes, I did not know that. All right, mm-hmm. it was fun. It was it was a good time. Uh, <laughs> Yoshiko did art for it. Huh? Yoshiko did art for it. Yoshiko did art for it. You know, there's a, there's a lot of goat DNA in uh, Mavericks, if you will. <laughs> you might you it know, might seem like Stefan has an obsession with cowboys, but truthfully, who doesn't? Not an obsession. I do not have an obsession. An uh, appreciation. So, so, Magic Wild West is just very fun. And, like, I didn't intend when I started to do Magic Wild West. But then, the the lore of Severus that already existed before me mentioned Arcane Fortresses, and it was like, well... That's true. Yeah, that's that's something I wanted to... to, I was was wondering about. Because I remember Drix... Drix, no last name was a thing. Um, (laughs) uh, And I, I imagine by the time when you did that funny thing of, like, oh, I have a last name. Like, I think by then you were... You definitely were like, yeah, Drix, Drix belongs to a tribe of magicians. <laughs> but I remember one day where I, I think I was talking to Guy. I was talking to Guy and or Stefan. And you were like, yeah, we've been like talking, thinking about backstory, uh, thinking about like rich, rich Drix. Like that was a, that was an idea <laughs> yeah. for rich like Drix understanding. Was an idea. Yeah. Why? Like uh, for understanding why Drix why Drix is the way that Drix is, is maybe he grew up rich secretly. And that's why he doesn't talk about his past. Mm-hmm. That never came to be, but no, that's a fun AU. Put that in with, <laughs> put that in with feral mermaid. Andrew. Yeah. 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 Feral mermaid child rich Drix. Uh, rich yeah. Drix. Rich Drix. So there. I think, I think rich Drix and then later magician Drix both came about from like trying to solve a problem. Not a problem, but, like, solve a question of, why is Drix like this in, like, such a (laughs) fucking world? (laughs) Because, like, ultimately, it's not a happy world that we're living in, but Drix is a very happy-go-lucky character. Drix is a very optimistic yeah, in, in stark contrast to, contrast to Pip and Andrew, that are both like already like, yeah, world is a world is a fuck. The world is a nightmare. One hundred million dead cops or whatever. Like <laughs> this, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, Drix. Uh, Drix kind of was this himbo, and like with that himbo, with that himbo energy came like an innocence and like a gentleness. So I was like, all right, well. He's not the brightest, but he is kind. He sees the best in people. He doesn't have, like, part of just how I played came into this because, you know, Drix would spend his chits immediately or, like, you know, not work very hard in side jobs and go for favor instead of things. So it's like, okay, so Drix doesn't super value money. Uh, that's interesting. Like, why, does, why, why is that kind of a thing for him? Uh, and so ultimately, like, what I came to was, 
Drix is privileged in one way. He doesn't feel these things the way the others do because he hasn't had to up until now. And even though he is currently existing in this world where things are darker, he's got a foot out the door. And so the the two possibilities that came from that were rich Drix and then magician Drix. Because it's like, if he's rich and he's doing this for fun, he can just kind of nope out whenever he wants and just go have a happy life. Uh, not necessarily a noble, which honestly is better for him because the nobility fucking sucks. <laughs> fucking sucks. But like... Uh, but, 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 you know, well off enough that he's not going to worry if he leaves. Uh, but then I found it way more interesting to do once, once I learned about, you know, Severos's arcane fortresses, I was like, well, this is actually significantly more interesting. <laughs> I am just, actually dying at just like being rich. Like money is a kind of magic. Just like, <laughs> get <out>. holy shit. <laughs> You know what exactly. would have been really funny, though? I feel like mechanically we would have represented that reveal, maybe if you did take, like, the noble, or maybe not rich, but, like, like I wonder if if you if one of you guys did, and by you guys I mean I mean Stefan or Hannah, if one of you did take for your characters the noble uh, gift, the, I guess the only options would be, like, secretly- I get adopted! Yeah, I, yeah it, for Angela it would be, like, you've been adopted, or, like, secretly you've been a noble this whole time. That'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be wild. It, it, like, Anastasia style, like, at long last! <laughs> <laughs> my daughter! My daughter, I thought I'd never see you again! <laughs> I've talked about this on previous talkbacks, where, like, Tiff has the noble trait, but Will as a stat is just- it's basically just for PvP and forcing like other characters to do what you want, so I'm never going to use it because it feels bad. It so. feels good when it's against Jack. That <laughs> <laughs> didn't even Shout work out then. To Jack. He That's has a Jack. baby now, so he's probably never coming back. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. What we'll <laughs> we'll get Jack back one day. One day, uh, it, when his child is able to be sent to daycare, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come on, Jack! You can steal. You can steal an hour. <laughs> you can steal an hour. Away. Just forget oh. about your baby for an hour. Just, it's just fine. leave it in the crib. Nothing it's bad. Fine, nothing sure. bad could happen. <laughs> Literally, babies are the most resilient things on earth. I okay. Quote <laughs> Stefan on that. Quote him on that. Hey, go out, drop your baby. No, don't drop your baby. <laughs> do not, do not. Okay. We can't okay. do that. The joke, the joke has reached. That. The joke has reached its end. The bit has reached its end. Oh gosh. Oh god. But yeah, oh. um, magic kind of became a way for Drix to have not needed to interface so much with the outside world in the ways that the cruelty of it would have sunken in as the norm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Great Bottle Tree. I, I, I see that as a cool find for me. Oh, I was so hyped when you sent me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you you find a place that is not covered in lightning oil, you've got to come up with some reason that they're not bothered by the ghosts. They're, they're actually releasing the Dagger Isle stuff, so we know we know for sure. We're, we're going to know for sure how it works. 
But uh, I remember reading on Reddit, somebody believing the Dagger Isles was like, yeah, I believe that people at Dagger Isles, like, they fucking eat ghosts. Like, or I like, or he's like, I think like the bioluminescent of people, like they, they're all really powerful whispers and they just bind them all or whatever. But for the Severus magicians to sort of accommodate for uh, Drix has not grown up with the hardships of the world, it would need to be something more passive. Uh, and I was looking up, I was looking up folk traditions. <laughs> And yeah, I learned about bottle trees, and they're kind of they're kind of cool as hell. It uh, began in the in the Congo, uh, so we're like from Africa, uh, and it's 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 been brought to the south. And the idea is that if you have um, a, a bottle, put it on like tree branches. Um, the bottle's got to be have a color to it. Uh, it will eventually it will, it will attract evil spirits. They'll rest in the bottles, and then the sunlight will kill off the evil spirits. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like anything to, to sort of, you know, make one feel better. Any sort of, any sort of like, oh, you know, we keep a fairy door for the fairies or all sorts of traditions like that. I, I really like James D'Amato's whole deal on Skyjacks of taking like folklore and um, blowing it up uh, and changing a little bit, taking the inspiration though. So uh, just a really big tree that really does like work like spirit bottles. <laughs> like we already have those. Mm-hmm. This was like the perfect thing of like, of course, there's just this big, big fucking tree because some it's cool as hell when wizards live near a giant tree. It, it does in fact slap. <laughs> that, that one I, I like came to Stefan with and I was like, what do you think, man? This is like a thing you need to know. <laughs> yeah, it was. And just like a, a big, massive symbol of like, it's safe here. <laughs> it's yeah. safe here. Drick, where Drix grew up, safe. I think it kind of uh, set the tone for Belial before we had ever touched it for me very much. Like, as we were talking about things and like, oh, Hannah, Hannah. Yes? When you, you completely independently of me, uh, sent to the chat uh, the epitome of cowboy wizard garb, which is from, which is actually from a uh, Super Sentai series that I dearly love. <laughs> Interesting. Uh-huh, I, do re- uh-huh. I do remember what I sent to chat. So. Yep, yep, it is. He is a villain from a Super Sentai series that are my favorite Super Sentai series, actually. And I was like, bet, this is so good. Amazing. And so that very much, that and the bottle tree kind of set like the aesthetic and tone for how I was envisioning Belial going into this whole thing. And thank you for that, Hannah. Uh, So good. (laughs) Yeah, I also thought the bottle tree was lovely. I just something very, very peaceful about it. Nice. And everything you're saying makes a whole lot of sense of, I think you found an interesting middle line where, where Drix had this like interesting kind of, the privilege to sort of be a bit insulated from the world but not because he's in like a position of power or anything just because he you know he came from this place of love and i i I think that's very interesting and very cool and i like it (laughs) yeah I think Greg did a really good job imbuing the whole situation with a lot of warmth and care, and I think that it, it worked fantastically. And that was, that wasn't unintentional, but I I, I do think I'm, I'm glad that um I, I cut it out of the episode itself. 
But in the very first episode of Belial, I was like, check it out. This is a weird one, one-off episode. This is a, this is a layover, but it's going to be one episode. <laughs> We're here in Belial. <laughs> and then we spend two whole episodes um, because there was just plenty to do there. <laughs> I think it was much better to let us sit in it a little longer, especially for here on the 50th episode where like the plot's kicking off and we also yeah. get to be um I, I i guess around your homes your your characters homes which i've marked on like the little map that we use and i need to update on twitter that's always that that's always like a big turning point i think i mean granted it's only happened two of three times so far but both <laughs> times it's been like big turning points have been near I do imagine the next time we go towards Pip's home, yeah, uh, it's I, probably going to yeah, be yeah. for... Yeah, they're going to pop off. The Pip's home of the Imperial City uh, will... <laughs> I imagine that this is going to be a trend. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. I, I think you can safely count your chickens, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that, at least with Drix's home, we're going to have, like, a... We, we, we got to have a pleasant time. Because with Andrew's home, it was, like, a lot of, like... Bittersweet, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I tried to do, like, little reminders, little things of, like, oh, here's for Pip and Drix to understand that this is what andrel dealt with look at look at it here's a little kid this is the sort of stuff that andrel did um and then it's like andrel here's your friends and they've i don't know they've got a job they're doing all right but in a weird way like <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm also just i i love i love playing sad <laughs> mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. <laughs> stefan and stefan and guy have a little less of that particular set of I also love playing sad nonsense Actually, you do yeah. really Stephen lean and into Hannah sad. love playing sad you do really lean into Stephen sad and you love, love playing happy too though I do love playing happy too so I Drix is a really fun Drix is a really fun experience because I get to swing pretty violently between those two things yeah yeah, yeah. Not that I don't enjoy playing happy, it's just sad. Sad is my meat and potatoes, and your mm-hmm, meat and mm-hmm. potatoes is a little bit more varied in my head, I think. I gotcha, I gotcha. Toss some onions in there. Toss some mm. onions in there. Yeah, maybe, maybe just a couple peppers. Just peppers like, and onions and This is giving me potatoes. so many ideas for home games. For dinner? <laughs> also that. Uh, I need to have Hannah's character go through more trauma. You do. <laughs> like that games. is where I flourish. <laughs> You do flourish there. You do. I all of our uh, other DMs in that. Well, not all. Mostly mask. Mask poked me through the ringer in that group. <laughs> mask. Shout out to mask. Author of the treason fee and uh, creator of that wonderful bit of uh, physical fan art. <laughs> yeah. Fan art. I was saying fan art, silly, and fan I don't want to. I don't want to make people confused. It's pronounced <laughs> fan art, Greg. All right. I feel like this is a good sign that we've gotten to the end. Yeah, we're yeah. We're, we're just riffing. <laughs> we're done. Yeah, fiftieth episode. Yeah. Oh. Do you think fifty more? Mm. You've done better than us. I would imagine probably not. And ghost lines, at least not here. Yeah, I don't. I don't think a full fifty more. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe things will take. <laughs> maybe things will be very slow. I will tell you going this. to cut up each episode into like twenty minute chunks. Mm. I'm doing like that thing from Goodfellas where he's taking like a razor blade and making the garlic really thin but with Ooh, <laughs> with audio yeah, editing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What if what if 
a ghost on a train was a quibby. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. It's over. It's done. Anyway, thank, thank you for the stop at the depot. <laughs> thank you for the stop at the depot. It's no longer haunted. We're in here. Whoa. I've been your conductor, Greg. Thanks I'm, for listening. I'm Hannah. Oh, are we not all doing? No, we're all doing our thing. I'm Hannah. I'm Guy. <laughs> I'm Stefan. Bye. Bye. See ya. Pride of Wall is now arriving. Please allow all passengers to exit the train before boarding. This has been Ghosts on a Train, a podcast with the Faustian Nonsense Network, where we played Ghost Lines, an RPG written and designed by John Harper. Music by Sebastian Black and TJ Woods. Edited by Greg Corobus, with Creative Commons Zero sounds from freesound.org. And additional sound design by Kai Gwillem Pritchard. Our cover art is by Yoshko Agresta. Your line balls for this trip were... Andrew Anderson, badge name Dunville. Played by me, Hannah Levin. Adric, aka Drix. Badge name Colburn. Played by me, Stefan Lewis. Pippin, Pip, McKeel. Badge name, McHugh, played by me, Guys Wipeout. And I have been your conductor, Greg Corobus. For bonus content, as well as behind the scenes, become a patron of the Faustian Nonsense Patreon. And in lieu of monetary support, a review on your favorite podcatcher will help Ghosts on a Train maintain visibility. If you have any questions about the Pride of Duskwall or additions to suggest for the train, please email them to ghosttrainpod at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at ghosts underscore train and I'll have Candace bring them to the line bowls. Thank you for riding with us and please consider traveling with us again next time. This program was brought to you by a network of dedicated artists with creative souls just like just like yours. 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 yours Faustian Nonsense yours, thanks yours, you for yours, your patronage. Yeah. Just like yours.